Hello and welcome to Echoes of Glory, Season 8, Episode 23. I'm Jack. Abbas. Gareth. Gareth. Well, there's a familiar voice. Right? <laughs> well, when what? was the last time you were on? Uh, it was October 2017, I think. Here we go. Instead of a We Are Tom Hopper quiz, we should do a We Are Gareth quiz, shouldn't we? There we go. It's only, it's only last season. Oh, technically, yeah. 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 What were the results of October 2017? I mean, you could have given me a little bit of... Uh, <laughs> Heads up that you were going to ask that and I'd have prepped something. Um, that's not the opening question today. The opening <laughs> question actually is, who's the most two-footed player you've ever seen? Now, this came from watching Son over the last few weeks. Like The way he strikes the ball with his right foot and his left foot. Like, as a defender, you must think, God, what way can I actually show him? Because he strikes the ball as cleanly on the left as he does the right. So, who's the most two-footed player you've ever seen? It's a good question. I've done no prep whatsoever. Brilliant. Um, I mean, Ronaldo comes to mind. Cristiano, all proper. Cristiano. Cristiano. Um, and I guess Messi as well, to an extent. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's Brilliant. So you literally <laughs> have done no prep. Well, Gareth, I'm going to hope that you've done a little bit more. Well, I've had a little look and a, and a think about it. Uh, Andy Bramer, I remember being pretty two footed. And then Paolo Maldini as well. Because they're both left backs who. Yeah. You'd never really think of them as being purely left-footed. You know, they weren't just stuck out there because they were the yeah. only left-footed players in the yeah. team. Because I think Bremer scored his pen in the 1990 World Cup final with his right foot. Now, excuse my ignorance. And mine. Andy, I genuinely have no idea who Andy Bremer is. He did score a winning goal in a World Cup final. That's shocking. He also, from my point he, of he also took the free kick in that... Turin semi-final that was deflected over Peter Shilton as well. So I assume he's German. Yeah, he is German. Yeah. I mean, there you go. He, he was part day. of the the three players with Matthias and Klinsmann that was at Inter, I think, in the late 80s, early 90s. Well, there you go. You know, Maldini was one actually because I put this out on social media as well that that came up quite a few times. Quality with both feet. Um, Glenn Hoddle was one as well. Got Hoddle um, on the list. Have you Professor Chornik on uh, Reddit says Glenn Hoddle um, and Brazilian Ronaldo as well as the proper Ronaldo. I've well, got Kane as well. I mean, a strike against uh, Wolves. Yes. I mean, that was left-footed, and you watch that, and it's difficult to tell that he was yeah. actually a right-footed player. And they're always about left-footed shots as well. They always look better. Do you know what I mean? If someone scores a left-footed volley, you think, oh, it looks, just looks so much better than a right-footed one. It's a bit Especially weird. if it's Zidane and he's off his wrong foot. Oh, in, yes. in a Champions League final. It's not, not yeah. a bad player. Is, um, is that the greatest ever Champions League final goal? Or does Bale beat it? I mean, I think Bale's is as good, but I don't know, there's just something about that Zidane one. I, I'm going to go out and say it was Bale's goal was better than Zidane's. Do you know why? Against Liverpool. Yeah, so it gives it an extra <laughs> gives it an extra point, doesn't it? Um, some other players that came up on Reddit. So ninety six Spurs, he said, um, Usman Dembele he takes corners with either foot. That's I didn't know he did that. That's ridiculous. Didn't know he took corners. If you could do that, that's good. Bobby Charlton was always the original, and if Stato mm. were here, he'd probably be saying that he actually mm. did see him play. But he was one that was often incorrectly thought of as being left-footed because so many of his he was that good. goals were that good. Um, Obafemi Martins, who's one of your <laughs> favourites, he used to take penalties with both feet, didn't he? He's taken some of his left, some of his right. I just remember his absolute... Screamer. <laughs> I think, con- considering it's one of those things that you normally make a point of a player being so one-footed and everyone's quick to say, it's the job, think how much they get paid, yeah. they should be able to fundamentally kick the ball with, with both feet. 
especially when you think that some baseball players are equally adept swinging the ball either right, swinging yeah. the bat right or left-handed. I mean, it's, I was terrible at kicking the ball with my other foot. Yeah, well, you you look at like I mean, we digress away from football, but even something like cricket, where you've got someone like or you had someone like Kevin Peterson who could very easily switch hit. Yeah, and Rid- ridiculous technique as well. Unbelievable technique where it was, you know, he could literally change the way he was batting and you know like hook it for six yeah effortlessly as well yeah that was the thing yeah unbelievable play um Diego Forland came up a couple of times so it's yeah. not one that springs to mind with me but um Fozzy138 um, says on reddit can't believe Diego Forland hasn't been mentioned yet I don't necessarily remember Forland being both footed but maybe that's just me no um I think it's one of those things you often take for granted with with players when they do it and you don't notice it because it happens so naturally but if they are so one-footed and they're constantly trying to put the ball onto their stronger foot like yeah. someone like Moussa Dembele for Spurs yeah. every time he receives the ball he's constantly trying to turn mm-hmm. whether he goes around in a full 360 <laughs> yeah. or, or not to, just to have it there on his left foot and ready and well, if, you're, if you're good and you're big and you're strong and someone like Messi as well I mean I think Statistically, he probably does favour his left a yeah. little bit more yeah. than, he, than his right, but you almost don't notice it because they're so adept at yeah. playing to that strength. The other Spurs player was Tom Huddleston, both feet. You know, the way he used to strike a ball yeah. was really as he's probably the cleanest striker of a ball I think I've seen playing for Spurs. Left foot, right foot. I remember he was going an absolute screamer against Arsenal in three three hundred. Oh, brilliant! Fell to him just outside the box. Left foot, bang! Yeah. Don't don't think he ever hit it above about a foot off the ground. Yeah. I think Skulls was quite good two foot. Yeah. He weren't bad. Skulls. Do you remember Tommy Huddleston's goal away to Man City as well? Yeah. There's a volley. It's a half volley. Really weird. Yeah, half volley, but it's a really weird angle because the ball's like above waist height and he manages to get over it and visit him from about 25 yards. If, if you've not seen that, check that on YouTube. Tom Huddleston volley versus Man City. Ridiculous technique. Could be when I came 2-0. That was when City were terrible. absolutely nowhere. Um, so yes, there we go. Most two-footed players we've ever seen. We've got the Newcastle game to talk about. Yeah. Um, so we won 1-0. Fantastic result. You know, Again, given the injuries. Um, I was quite surprised to see Lorente on the bench. I don't know what you thought when the teams came out. I was surprised with Lorente on the bench just because of the impact he had towards the end of the Watford game. Um, and I don't know what it is, but the first 45 minutes we absolutely bombarded them with balls into the box. And then after 60 minutes Lorente comes on and we maybe put three or four up there. Yeah. Um, Let's talk about that header actually against Watford then before we go into the Newcastle game. Unbelievable finish. Like for me, that was Kane esque against Arsenal. Like the way that came, he just smashes the defender out of the way, heads it back across the face of goal, keeper's got no chance. Absolutely brilliant goal. You know, really, really late goal in the game. He'd had that horrible yeah, miss as well. Especially considering the misses, that's, oh, that's the key thing. And that one, he, that one he put over the bar from two yards, yeah. you uh, just think. Well, that was just poor when you look at it as well, off his knee. You don't know if he was trying to imp- improvise and just get any sort of contact on or yeah. if he was actually trying to swing the boots yeah. at it instead. <coughs> but yeah, it, it never looked good looking back at it. Credit to him. In his last two games, he's got two goals and an assist. And they've been Sorry, massive. A goal and two assists. They've been massive moments as well. You know, yeah. like the goal against 
Watford, it's not as if we're winning 4 0 and he does a Darren Bent and comes on and gets the fifth. You yeah. know, he's not that, he hasn't been that kind of player for us. He's actually been contributing in massive moments, getting knocked downs. It might not have been pretty. Even the Sun goal against Watford, it wasn't the, the nicest it, it delay. He kind of just like came off and yeah. he was there. He was, he was in the right yeah. place and he was pushing defenders away. Yeah. And you know what? Defences seem to panic with Lorente. Like he comes on and all of a sudden teams just drop to the edge of their own box. And they just wicking it long balls up to him. He's fantastic at knocking it down. He's like his hold up play is really, really good. Probably quite underrated actually. And when we've got bodies around him, we've actually looked pretty dangerous playing that way. Well, I, I did say I think when Kane got injured that in 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 our little WhatsApp group that this was now a time for Lorente to step up and mm. him playing up front with runners off him or him knocking it down to like uh, Mora or or um, Son would work and yeah. in the last two games it has yeah and you know what what I've liked about it this season is last year I wasn't a massive Lorente fan I thought he was quite ineffective partly because when he was coming on he wasn't doing a lot but I didn't feel like last year we were really playing to his strengths when he was on we weren't being direct whereas I feel like this season we've not been afraid especially in games when he's come on late to just put it up to him well, I quite like that. In, in the past, it was always a plan B. If it's not working with Kane, you bring him on and he offers something different. But for the last few games, he's had to be plan A. Yeah. So the team has had to adapt. But I, I don't think we should get too far from the hard fact, which is he, he's just filling in. You know, he does offer oh, something yeah. a little bit different. But I think a lot of people, even if Kane is fully fit and it's nil-nil with five minutes to go would still rather see Kane on the pitch with the ball at his feet and having a go than bringing on Lorente instead of him. I know that's unlikely to happen and it's probably as well as, but I think the reality is that if we can get away with accumulating as many points as we can and Lorente is weighing in with a couple of goals, yeah. it, it just shows that we have got more of a squad. It's not just Spurs have got one of the best starting 11s in the league, which they certainly have. But they've also got some options, but yeah. it's not the same as Jesus coming on for Aguero, though, is yeah. it? Well, not, not, not quite. I know <laughs> which one of the two I'd rather have. Um, and but, I, go on. No, sorry, I was going to say, and I think the Leicester game um, on Sunday, team selections, I know we'll, we'll come on to mm. it, but selection, the team selection for that will be important because you've got a solid centre half in Harry Maguire, who is very much no nonsense. Yeah. And I don't see how. If we're playing the likes of Mora, Son, and Lamella as an interchangeable front three mm. with Ericsson, if we're going to get, we need some, we need some more like physicality up there. I think it's an interesting point actually, and I think that was probably the main reason why for Newcastle we didn't play him, because Newcastle got three big centre halves that like balls in the air, and you know that's that's their bread and butter really. So Potts has obviously looked at that and gone right. Actually, I'm going to go with Lucas Son Ericsson and we're not going to hit it long, we're going to try and get in behind them and draw them out to cause them problems that way. So I get your point, um, there's two ways of looking at it really, isn't there? Do you do that because the opposition have got big centre-half, so do you go with your big striker or do you say, actually we know you being six foot four and 15 stone, you're not going to be the quickest, so we'll put a pacey striker up there. It's an interesting one. Well, with the players that we've got, in, certainly in the front third, there's no reason why we shouldn't be scoring more goals like Man City. You know, mm. get to the byline and then someone just knocks it in from the, yeah. the six-yard box. It's the same and, goal every week. Yeah, isn't and, it? and anyone can be doing that. Lorente is more than capable of getting in amongst full, uh, defenders. He knows which runs to make. He knows how to make space for himself. 
he knows how to make a nuisance of himself and there's mm -hmm. no reason why he shouldn't be in the end of those. I, I think what's kind of strange that I've never seen Tottenham putting quite so many crosses into the box, especially through Vertonghen playing wide out on the left. He was you, brilliant at left back. Oh yeah, he was. He was playing really well. I know he played for Belgium there a lot, yeah. didn't he? he? He always seemed to play left back for them, but... I've, I've never seen us put in that volume of crosses, even mm. when Danny Rose, somebody who's supposed to be more of a provider, yeah, yeah. all at his feet, even with him playing there. So it was unusual, especially when, like you say, there wasn't a big target man mm. there in the middle. Maybe the idea is that you break down the play a little bit more and it's all about re retrieving the ball once their defenders have had the chance to, to head it back. Yeah. So it's about that secondary possession at the edge of the box when it's been defended and making sure you've got the players there to to retrieve it and you play from there mm -hmm. I, I'm not a massive mm -hmm. tactician but that could be but you know what I, I loved I love Vertonghen when he plays at left back I know it's I, not his position but he, he's so attack minded he and is. it's weird you know you put in a centre yeah. half there and he can put in a good ball as well he's oh, no he nonsense yeah. with it he takes a touch he whips it in he knows he's not the quickest so he's not going to try and dribble past people puts it in a dangerous area. I mean, it's a fantastic centre-back. How does he measure up with versus no other centre-backs that you've seen at Spurs over the years? Uh, well, I always think the Richard Goff and Gary Mabbott tandem in 86, mm. 87 was the best one. Sadly, you never got to see Goff um, more than that yeah. in that season, which was a real shame. But I've seen a lot of pretty average centre-backs in centre. Most average? Uh, well... Some of those combinations with Mabba in the 90s when it was people like Nethercott filling in for him, Calderwood, I mean, he was a bit of a... He, Calderwood was reliable, but he's, he's not Franco Baresi. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I think... I don't think he's ever been compared to no, him either. No, and I think we've got to be well aware that what we're watching now in terms of the quality in these key positions, certainly about Stein 11... It's not since the 60s that really we've been able to, to claim this mm. strength throughout our team. Is it the best side and the best squad that you've seen since being a Spurs fan? Oh, um, undoubtedly. Yeah, that 86-87 team was, was good, but the league was a very different, yeah. very different kettle of fish then. You could, Tottenham were a big club able to compete with wages in the same way you know, compared to other teams because the, mm. the bubble hadn't completely exploded at, at that point so Tottenham was seen as, as a big team and they could sign pretty much anyone they wanted because they had the, the same sort of pull mm. to, to build a squad of the quality that Spurs have now is an incredible achievement mm. considering what they're competing against in terms of resources yeah. and and I know it's been mentioned about not making any additional sign-ins and that whenever we lose that's something that the media like mm. flagging up but I think retaining the players in our squad over the summer was, yes. was such a major thing because anyone can wave a checkbook now and well mm. I say anyone there's three or four clubs that don't care about actually giving key players first team opportunities they can stockpile talent just to prevent other teams from having them, really. Yeah, Chelsea. Yeah, yeah. and uh, so so the team they've built now is is astonishing in that regard. Yeah, I do feel as if, I mean, I feel like next next summer is a massive, massive moment in yeah, the recent history yeah. of Tottenham. 
um, just in the sense that you know there's a few players whose contracts are up in the air. So you've got the Tongans had a year extension. Do we then give him another year after that? I, I'd probably say yes. The way he's playing, give him another ten. Isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, look at Toby. I mean, it, the definition of an elite centre back is Toby. Everyone's talking about Van Dyke and you know, yeah, great, good, brilliant, but Toby is in that sense should be mentioned in those sentences. I think it, it, there's a case for Toby to be the greatest centre back that's ever played for Spurs. I really do, and I think the greatest centre half I've seen is Ledley. But if you were to have to pick one or the other, just based on games, he's never injured. Is he? he doesn't pick up the niggly hamstrings or any sort. I mean, he had one. Yeah, he had one, one yeah. last year. But which... you know, in the in the grand scheme of his whole Spurs career, yeah, he's, he's just players a player. Some injuries, yeah. of course, and yeah, he's been really strong. And and the thing about Van Dijk is, that's seventy five million and whatever money he's on is the benchmark because Toby and his agent will know that that's what he should yeah. be getting. And we talk about a transfer market again for Spurs. You, do, you definitely need to instil competition in your squad to get people to play for their shirt each week. Yeah. But at the same time, for a team like Tottenham and a club like Tottenham, is instead of investing 50 million on a couple of players, which may or may not work out, bear it in mind that we can't really afford them to be flops, mm-hmm. even at that sort of money, yeah. is that 50 million better spent paying superstar wages to our superstar players which I which mm. I probably would say would be the way forward it would be to ensure that the players like Vertonghen Eriksson who's been quite poor recently mm. but Eriksson Vertonghen Toby are suitably con- compensated yeah um, and then we our model has always been sign players who like you know like championship level slash like, with league one with potential yeah never buying like the Isco's of this world mm. or you know like the Agueros of this world we'll never we're never ever in that we're never mm. going to compete so you look at like you know these the youngsters like someone like Sancho people yeah, like yeah. Man City and you buy these players and build them up rather than buying the 50-60 million pound players so then naturally you buy a player who's worth who's 10-15 million as opposed to a 55-65 pound million pound player and that surplus of weight that money can essentially be spent on wages mm. like ensuring that the rest of the squad are happy mm. there's obviously decent incentives in place in this Spurs team as well in that if, if you do hang around and you play well you'll get rewarded yeah. and I suppose there's still a balance at the moment that if you decided like Carl Walker rightly or wrongly you can get paid twice as much and you can go be transitioned into a team that is immediately going to compete for four trophies mm. and probably win at least one of those in yeah. any given season. Now, there's not the same guarantee at Tottenham because they still have to react and work with this potential exodus of, of players. See, I, I have no doubt that if the team stays together and they, <coughs> and they do, and they're lucky with injuries and maybe get a little bit more depth, and I don't mean superstars, just somebody that can come and mm. do a job or someone is injured then they will win trophies and if that's what matters to players Spurs can do that while still paying them a very good wage it's Mm. it's whether or not some of these players will be happier with the pay packet and playing a peripheral role 
in a big squad that mm. is definitely going to win medals. Yeah. I mean, it's all about priorities yeah. and now they want well, to focus that, on. That's a good point. And what, what's success for you? Because I know there's always the constant debate of do you want the FA Cup or do you want the top four? And I've said time and time again, you can have both. We're at the point now we can have both. But what, what success for you is finishing third or fourth this season a success or should we have prioritised the cup so where, where's your stance on it all I've the romantic in me is always oh, you love a day at Wembley and to, and to win a cup and of course that goes in the trophy cabinet and it stays there forever in the Panini album it say we won it in mm. next year and as a kid that's it's those years and those dates when we win trophies that's what you remember but the game is very different now and it is measured in top four finishes mm. just as much as cups. And Tottenham won't recruit players next summer by saying, come and play for us. We'll be in the Champions League next season with you on our, on our books, but come and play for the FA Cup winners. Mm. That's not going to work for us. It might work for, for some other clubs that finish sixth. You know, it might work for Man United saying <laughs> that they can do it. Yeah. But it doesn't work for Tottenham we have to give them that tangible thing straight away and they don't care if we won the FA Cup last year they want to know that we can be competing for it this year but they want to be playing on Tuesdays and Wednesday nights hearing that anthem under, under the lights yeah. that's, that's what we have to sell them and, and I don't know if that's good mm. but I definitely think that is right do you think it's just the way football has now gone where not just for Spurs, but you see a lot of teams around in and around the top six prioritising getting European football, and with a with a there's been like you know the emphasis of of a cup now isn't so important. It's more so for the players than it is for the sorry, it's more for the fans than it is for the players. I would definitely agree with that, and I think just from a pure the way football's run now, it's run as a business a lot of sides and if you think from a financial point of view you don't win a huge amount for winning the FA Cup and we mentioned it on the pod it's a few weeks seven ago million seven million yeah. I bet finishing eighth in the Premier League gets you significantly more than that so actually I always scratch my head especially at teams like Leicester and West Ham who rotated their sides in the FA Cup a few weeks ago they're not going to get relegated so you think go all out for that cup they rotate yeah. the sides and then they get knocked out. But actually, if you're talking purely from a financial point of view, they're going to benefit a lot more finishing 7th or 8th yeah. than they are winning the Cup. Whether or not that's right or wrong, that's a, that's a separate question. But I think that that's the aim of a lot of the owners now. There aren't as many British owners in it anymore. So I don't think that the FA Cup, in particular the FA Cup, has got as much meaning to it anymore as what it used to have. Yeah. Um, you used the word romantic and I think for supporters definitely we all want that that day at Wembley and when you put your heart aside for a minute you can see the long term benefits of finishing the Champions League my yeah. argument with Spurs now is that we're good enough and even with our injuries we've got a good enough squad where we can be doing both I, I don't think, so. think we have to pick or choose I, I think, think there are right. sides that do still have to pick and choose um, and that's where I, you get a lot of questions I just, asked I just think and I, I guess I mentioned it last week where I guess one of the one of the most like for, from tangible point of view and from like a like from a fan point of view it's nice to have say look we've won the FA Cup we've yeah. won this we've won that you look at someone like Arsenal who, Arsenal who have been bog standard in the last mm. six or seven years they've still managed to pick up three FA Cups and 
Do you need that winning mentality you do that need a trophy to, brings? Yeah, because as I said last week, winning breeds winning. So you have a winning mentality brings on another more winning mentality, and you go from you go from the FA Cup, FA Cup. So you start off with the Carling Cup. Carling Cup goes to the FA Cup. Once you've done the FA Cup, you look at what else can we do domestically? Okay, the Premier League. Okay, you've done that. Now what's next? The Champions League. You know. You can't just go. It's it's. It's quite rare you just win the league from out of nowhere. Unless, yeah. unless you're like a Leicester and you have a freak. Yeah, but season. if you look at like what's been going on in recent history in the last 10, 15 years, teams that have won, with the exception of Liverpool, teams that have won the FA Cup have also probably won the league in recent memory. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's a fair point. I mean, Gareth, you're a Spurs fan over the years, suffered quite a lot with. Really bog standard sides. So, yeah. what what do you say to Spurs fans at the minute that are moaning about either the style of play or that we're we're not quite getting over the line in in cup competitions? What, what's your view on all of that? It's it's because we've been spoiled, and right mm. people who are relatively new to it quite rightly have got high expectations because the last four or five seasons, well, maybe even the last seven or eight seasons, if you think back to. Of oh nine ten, yeah. They've become used to Tottenham being really competitive at that top table of of teams, and and they're as consistent over those last few years as as any side really. Uh, I I would say that there there is a justifiable criticism for Tottenham seemingly having this mental block, especially in FA Cup semi finals. Mm-hmm. We played in something like four in the last ten years, and even when we've been favoured to win them, we've not managed yeah. to get over the line. And that is suitably frustrating. But I, I've always said, and I remember saying it, the the year when we beat Chelsea was at 5-2 on New Year's yeah, Day. Yeah. And everyone was raving about that, saying, oh, it's brilliant to beat Chelsea. And I think, yeah, it's great competing on in one game, but I want to compete over 38. And that's what we're now doing. So... Mm. I've, I'm inclined to come a little bit of slack over the cup competitions just because I think if you go on a bit of a run you get to a point in them and you think yeah we, we go for them now and we were really unlucky with the uh, League Cup that yeah. it, it came at a time when the squad was threadbare we were really up against it we did a fantastic job to actually be in that tie and take it to penalties yeah. anyway and to, to, for even Spurs fans and non-Spurs fans to say oh Tom bottled another semi-final I, I don't buy that criticism. They were mm. in a semi-final. They went that far in that competition. Maybe the way that they went out against Palace was a little bit more disappointing mm. because there were some fundamental errors that were made yeah. on the yeah. day. Especially with the League Cup, you look at the sort of games we had. We had West Ham away, we had Arsenal away. Yeah. Mm. And basically Big wins. had four yeah. London derbies. We had Watford, Watford in a... In yeah. base, and essentially not even a home game. Teams, <laughs> yeah. Um, West Ham away, Arsenal away. Yeah, compared to and Man then, City, who were playing well. Everyone and then managed to beat Chelsea at home. So we've essentially we've beaten Chelsea, Arsenal, and West Ham in yeah. our League Cup run. It's a great run. I mean, yes. I, I, there's no. That's not celebrating failure, but it's not actually saying that no. we've not we've actually no. done quite well. well. But they're the thing you would have got just the amount of criticism if they'd have played a slightly weakened side which they probably did for the for the West Ham game in terms of a league 11 it wasn't yeah. a full full strength 11 
if they'd have lost that, they would have got just as much criticism, but it would have been a few months ago and everyone would have forgotten all about it. The fact is they got to a, a semi-final. I mean, Liverpool, they're, they're competing for the league or whatever, but they also made a conscious decision that they weren't going to go for those cups. Mm. And they might have got criticised afterwards, but it's all long forgotten where down the line they have achieved their other objective. And I think for Tottenham, it has to be this league position and and of course it would have been a very different perspective if we hadn't come back and be in Watford immediately after mm-hmm. the Palace game and it'd be exactly the same if we hadn't been in Newcastle on, on Saturday mm-hmm. but when you set your stall out of what your priority is and it and it has to be the league I think you've got to back it up and they're at least doing it well one of the things I don't get and never have got is the lack of criticism that Klopp and Liverpool get so if you look at someone like Klopp and Liverpool, right? Not, not from you, obviously. No, yes. I've, I've, I've never. Do you not like Liverpool? I never said a bad word against them. Don't know what you're talking about. But they're essentially in the same place as Spurs. They've essentially in 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 in. If you look at like how much money they've spent, they've spent net spent about two hundred fifty million pounds more than Spurs in Klopp's reign alone. Mm. And what have they got to show for it? One Carlin Cup final and a Champions League final. They finished below us. Nine times out of ten in the last uh, nine nine seasons out of the last ten, um, and I just don't see the same criticism being angled at Klopp that it is at Poch. Yeah, I mean, I think Liverpool fans would probably say the same on the on the reverse that they would say, "Oh, we get loads of stick, but maybe Spurs don't." But what I think Liverpool is a prime example of is even with all that money being thrown at a team, it's not guaranteed anything. Obviously, it helps, but like you said, if if City catch them in the league, they're going to likely end this season with no trophies. Yeah. And that could, in theory, be absolutely you know, the same as us. So it's a really difficult one. Um, I get the point about Liverpool. There does feel like that there's a bit of a media agenda in their favour. But you know what? I think that's just one of them things we've just got to deal with. As Spurs fans, we're, we're hated massively now by all of the other sides. And that's a good thing. <laughs> Like we used to be such an irrelevant team 10, 15 years ago people wouldn't even talk about us now they hate us and they give a stick when we lose a game that, we should see that as a good thing because we're actually we're a threat to a lot of these sides now yeah no, that's true that but true. It, it is amazing what a bit of investment can do for a squad you look at Liverpool where last year they, were, they finished fourth and you know what, it wasn't a comfortable fourth place finish but they've made in one year or in like half a season they've made leaps and bounds mm. in but, terms of improvement but they, but they also showed though what you can do with the investment in the right place you know, they got 170 million for Coutinho or 180 million mm. or whatever it was and they identified what they needed to get into their squad and I remember at the time some Liverpool fan mates of mine were bemoaning the fact that Coutinho was going to go oh how can we compete if we're still in our best mm. player well you don't actually need him when you look at your squad depth, mm. you do need shoring up elsewhere. And they've gone and done that. And perhaps shows that while I, I, I think the tactic that we showed when we sold Bale in mm. 2013 was the right way of going about it, uh, it just shows that they didn't necessarily isolate where key, they needed that investment to go with that, with that Bale mm. money. And, and maybe that did set us back a season or two in our development yeah so if someone comes in the summer with 180 million for Ericsson 
what he's saying there. You take it. Yeah, I think you've you've got to take it, but it's got to be that sort of money as yeah. well, though. That's that's the thing because for Spurs, Ericsson, and there's no point in us then spending 150 million on one other player mm. because that isn't necessarily but, how Spurs will replace him. But then my my problem is, will we necessarily replace him at all? Will we not just pocket the money? Will we just pocket yeah. the money and yeah. our skip to do another job? Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, and and point. that's the problem. Yeah. I think that's the problem we see where the money, the continual money, was thoroughly reinvested back in within the squad with some added on top of that. Mm. But with Ericsson, you you send him for 180 million, you get someone who's like you know still in like mm. the League One slash Championship mould. Yeah, get like Brad, Bradley Dack from Blackburn or something. Like 25 million. million. Or like a Jack Grealish and be like, look, here you go. Mm. And in pocket 150. That's not necessarily reinvesting in the squad no. as you should do. But you've got to trust the, the scouting network. You've got to trust the manager to identify targets. Yeah. And, it, and it may even be that we could have a dearth of talent in the Ericsson role. It might not be him individually as a player, but you might think, actually, we've got enough players there that can be incisive, mm-hmm. can hit a dead ball, can be creative with a pass, but we actually need an out-and-out striker to be on the end of it because that is um, yeah. a secondary yeah. aspect that we haven't got in the squad at the moment, so where do you put the money? And it's That's why you've got to rely on the on the scouts to, to do that properly as, as well because I don't know who an out-and-out striker is that mm-hmm. fits the mould for what we want. Yeah, it's a difficult one. Let's talk about the Leicester game. Yeah, just, that just, just before the Leicester mm. game, I would want. I just want to say, I'm Lamel in the last couple of weeks hasn't. Is I mean, he's not really been the Lamel that we that he was maybe a couple of months ago. Mm. As, do you reckon he's carrying an injury? Do you reckon he's? I don't know. You know what? I I think he's one of these players, Lamel. He always divides opinion with Spurs fans. He's a love or hate kind of player. Um, I think he's done all right in the in the games the last three or four. Um, he's a player that will always take a risk, and some games that comes off seventy percent, and you think, "Wow, what a player!" And then other games, it, it doesn't come off at all. But he's never one that will just give the easy pass. It can be infuriating as a fan to watch him sometimes because you think you could have just played it then, we'd have kept the ball. But he doesn't see the game like that. He sees the game as I need to take risks when I'm in possession because if that comes off, we've got a greater chance of scoring. Um, you can never question the guy's energy and his no, work rate. No. Like that, that's unquestionable. It's just his decision making especially in the final third it, the consistency of it he's obviously seen got license to do that though yeah. hasn't he and I suppose it depends as well with the team setup of how which other players are around him and what Pochettino said to him saying if you, if you see that pass try and make it yeah. it comes off brilliant and the players around him will know what he's doing and be backing him up as well but mm. I'll, I'll tell you a point that he hasn't he's not been the star man but you, you look at someone like Son who revels in it you can see yeah. that Son yeah. absolutely loves being the guy and I think maybe Lamella sometimes finds that potentially quite intimidating mm-hmm. I still think with Lamella and I've sort of said this with him from day one I like him in central positions on the pitch Often than he plays wide and I don't think that that suits him as much he's got great feet but he's not necessarily got the the pace and the desire to go past him. I know when Sun picks it up and he's out on the wing and he just roasts the fullback, goes past him like he's not there. Lamella's not 
necessarily that kind of player. I like him when he's picking up centuries between the lines and he's driving at the back four. That's when I think he's at his most dangerous. But I don't know, my opinion changes daily on Lamella. Like, at the minute, I'm like, you know what? I think he's, I think he's a decent player. He's, he's good for us. Tomorrow, you ask me, I'll say, oh, you know what? Take the cash. I, I really do fluctuate a lot with him. He's, just, he's one of those players you, for you me. You can see quite a few of the players in the squad, how they act for Tottenham is almost directly a correlation to how they perform for their national team as well. Because mm. pick someone like Son, he is by far South Korea's he's a god. best player. Yeah. He's their absolute superstar. So when he comes back to Spurs and he's got some decent players around him as well, he, as you correctly say, doesn't mind being the focus of attention and having the burden on him. Lamella, Argentinian, he's got so many other attacking players that he's competing within the squad. He's to to shout above that clutter of voices <laughs> must be really difficult for him. Yeah. Ericsson, he's the absolute superstar yeah. for Denmark, and he. And he plays really over for us as well. I think that's a really good point. Leicester at the weekend at home. Dangerous game for me Very and Leicester. Dangerous game. They're not a particularly great side, but just the pace that they have on the break with Vardy and Gray. They're is, very hit and miss, yeah. aren't they? Yeah. They've had a few games where, you know, the Liverpool game was a great result. They were actually, beating Chelsea, beating Man City. Yeah. yeah, and they were actually really unlucky against United yesterday, but it probably yeah. probably should have got a point. Um and you know they've caused us problems. You always got to be nervous with Vardy, just because he's not a particularly great player, but he just doesn't give you a second, and you're always worrying: is he just going to? And you know how yeah. we play out from the back. You just think there's always that chance that he's just going to nick one of them. So I think we've got to be careful. Don't be wrong; we're a much better side than Leicester, but we do have to be wary of Vardy because it, it actually feels like he's got quite a good scoring record against us. I don't know if he has, but it feels like he scores quite a lot of the time against us it, whenever we play them. Well, I think I think the game would be quite similar to the to the first first game at the King Power. Um, we won that game two 0 with Delhi and uh, Son. Yeah, Delhi um, scored like an identical yes, goal, wasn't it? Um, yeah. But yeah. I remember in that game, for the first 15-20 minutes, Leicester came on strong and we got a goal just before half-time. That sort of changed the game slightly. Yeah. Um, but they're always a threat. You look at last season when they finished 5-4, which was a great game. game that was. <laughs> um, we were 3-1 down in that game. We were 3-1 well, down right? and came up 4-3 and then yeah. Vardy got fourth and then came and scored the... Lamella got a couple in that game though, he didn't did. he? Yeah, yeah. He did. He um, did. But you look at you look at that, and you can see that they had pace in that game. They had Vardy, they had Inyanacho, they had Damari Gray playing. Um, so they've got pace. They've got players that can actually hurt us. They've got decent players. Um, quite excited to see how Yuri Tielemans gets on. Mm. Um, would actually actually play some part of that game because mm. um, he is a player who I've sort of followed through mm. Monaco and through the Belgian national team, mm. team based on football manager yeah. <laughs> so it would be nice to see it, like, if he is as good a yeah. person as you see yeah. on TV um, do you think we'll get the job done though? it'll be close I'd, odd goal if we do win it'll be the odd goal mm. I, I think the key comes down to us taking the opportunities I think we're going to make opportunities and what we don't want is another even though we've got a great record in the last three games scoring in 80 plus minutes what I don't want is to be in a situation where we're still scrabbling around for something with only 10 minutes to go because, as mentioned, Leicester are great at counter-attacking. They've yeah. got a lot of pace and they can soak up pressure and, as and well. And the break. And if we can get in amongst the Murley, one goal, as Liverpool show, isn't necessarily going to be enough if it yeah. comes too early either. Uh, but it would be lovely to... 
to have created as many chances as we did against Newcastle but actually put two or three of them away and think mm. this is under control because that means they play into our hands then it's not their strength to be behind yeah I agree I don't think less is a given I don't think no you definitely can, you can, not you can say they, that's an easy three points not at all um, I think they've, they've like you said great counter attack inside they've got good pace up front and like as you said Jack you know Vardy does not give you a second no he doesn't second's rest so as you said playing out from the back can be quite tricky sometimes you might just need to lump it forward which is why I think Laurentiin might be a good option to mm. start um, quick predictions then for that game 2-1 don't say it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe this could be the first draw of the season. I no, said it. I'll have to edit that out. Um, <laughs> oh, is that what I wasn't supposed to say? <laughs> uh, I think we'll just just scrape it. I could see it being another 1 0. Well, I, I could quite easily see it. In this, after three games where we have got away with it, yeah. this could be the one where maybe we don't and. We're one 0 down in the 60th minute or something, and we keep smashing at them and, mm. and don't get anything from it. I, I don't want it to be the case, but yeah. for the I, sake I, of balance and parity, I see you're you the level-headed one of the group. <laughs> I see what you mean. Last three games, we've we've kept knocking on door, we've got yeah. reward, but ultimately you can't keep doing that. Yeah. No, no, you I mean, can't keep. It's it's great that we have done because it's a very unspursy thing to have won three games in a row from scoring in the 18 plus minute and sooner or later you do run out of luck but at the same time the Fulham game aside where for the first 45 we were obviously terrible the other games we've had plenty of chances before we finally did make that breakthrough and perhaps this is the one where those early ones go in as opposed to being frustrated yeah it always felt, and you must know this more than anyone, that those last-minute goals just always used to come against us, didn't it? Yes. There used to be so many gags about Spurs are sponsored by extra chewing gum for those extra minutes that you need, all stuff like that. It used yeah. to be infuriating. Well, we went through a phase of conceding late goals this season in the Champions League. You look at the Inter game, you look at the PSV, PSV. game. Oh, yeah, yeah PSV um, one's We actually conceded in the 89th minute against Barca to make it 4-2. Um, so we have conceded late goals in league mm. I've just oh, sorry, I've blocked them out of my memory that's what it is uh, it's time now for the We Are Tottenham Hotspur quiz we are about the glory of the game we are about playing with style we are Tottenham Hotspur so for anyone that's not done this I'll give you a game I'll give you the date of that game right. I'll name half yeah might write it down I'll name half of the Spurs lineup. And then between you, you've got to try and figure out the rest of the team that started that game. So this match is Tottenham 1, Leicester 1. It's the 29th of October 2016. Huh. So it's not too long ago. Was that, honestly, I no recollection of this game whatsoever. Um, we played 4-2-3-1 formation. Yeah. Um, so we had uh, Hugo in goal. Okay. Right back was Carl Walker. Left back was Danny Rose. One of the centre backs was Jan Vertonghen. The other centre backs, question mark. Centre midfielders, centre midfielders, Dembele, and a question mark. Right hand side of midfield was Ericsson. Number 10 position to question mark. Left hand side, Sun. 
and centre forwards a question mark. It was 2016, so it's not too long ago. Yeah. And I finished one all? Yeah. I finished one all that game. Against the scored a penalty. Oh, he remembers oh, it. Oh, he remembers oh, it. it. I was there. Janssen up front. And because wow. then they scored, someone like Musa scored there. He's nailed it. Nailed scored it. in about the 47th minute because I, we missed the goal as well. Because we didn't Musa, Musa in the 48th minute <laughs> and Janssen in the 44th in that game. So you've got Janssen oh, up top. Uh, so you need the other centre back that was playing alongside D- Jan. Dyer? Dyer was at centre back. Mate, that's a great guess. Done. I thought that one might have caught you out. That's a tough one. That's a, that's a good one. So then you just centre midfielder and, and then you're number 10. Wanyama next to Dembele? Wanyama was next to Dembele. I'm wishing you'd get on every week for this. Unbelievable. <laughs> and then you just need your attacking midfielder that was playing behind Janssen that day. I don't think it was... Yeah, um, it's, it's going to be something random, isn't it? Um, well, um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. I'm 2016. Yeah. It was the unbeaten home season. It, it was like a long time. I know ago. they were. I think the two teams got draws that yeah, season. Yeah, Liverpool. Liverpool and Leicester. We, we won them. every other home game after yeah. this. Uh, He's in the current squad. This player. Lamella. It's not Lamella. I'll be honest with you, I'm surprised this one is the one that's stumping you. Because it was when Kane was injured, wasn't he? It was, yeah, Kane was injured yeah. for this game, which is why Janssen played and got yeah. the pen. I mean, he, he uh, without giving it away, he's, he's a quite a big player for us still now. This <laughs> is a real like, brain... Do you want the answer? Brain, brain, brain dead. It's not Delhi then. Deli Alley, oh. Deli Alley. There we go. It seemed a bit obvious. <laughs> so that side that day was Loris in goal, Walker, Dyer, Vertonghen, and Rose. Back yeah. four. Wanyama and Dembele centre midfield. Eriksson, Ali, Son, and Janssen. Bloody Harry yeah. Winks come on in that game, as did George, Kevin, and Kudu. God, that team has not changed much, has it? And then, well, but, but then yeah. this was the bench. So Vaughan was in goal. And there was Nkudu, Trippier, Onoma, Winks, Davis, and Carter Vickers. Not one. So we talk about squad depth, though. I mean, there's not a lot on that bench that was really ever going to come on and change the game. Whereas now no. we've got a lot more than that. What, what's your take on Onoma? Do you reckon he'll he'll he has a future experts? I don't know. I mean, he hasn't played a lot in the loan spells he's gone out in the Championship in. He started brilliantly at Villa yeah. and they were going mad about him but then all of a sudden he found himself out of the team I'm not sure I'm not sure it's just a case of you know if he did come back I reckon he'd where... be, um, but you, you look at games you look at squad depth and I feel like games in like the League Cup or the FA Cup could be games for him for, for him to make a case for himself yeah it's a difficult one I mean we seem to forget he's still he's still a young man he's only 21 yeah. Like you sometimes I, I think of him as being one of those older youngsters I know that sounds weird but like he's 21 like, like Jesse Lingard um, yeah he's about 28 yeah, <laughs> that's it interesting point about using players like that in the cup games though because going circling right back to what we were saying at the top of the show is that if you rotate your squad and you, you take the opportunity of those games to, to blood new guys and to get them experience mm and then they lose then everyone gets criticised from the yeah. management right down to the players if they win games then you think brilliant but as soon as you get to a point where you get more serious about winning the trophy 
then people get a little bit itchy about whether they should be in there and you should be prioritising yeah. the, the trophy. And at the same time, if you are going to prioritise trophies and cups, it means playing a strong side, mm. which means these guys really aren't going to get much of a go because Tottenham, for as strong as they are, we don't get many gimmies. It's not, it's, and it's not the same as a Man City who can start a team with eight changes in a league game on a Wednesday night but still have enough big guns yeah. on the bench yeah. to make a change with 20 minutes to go if it's not going their way. So it's a really difficult thing and I'm not saying I've got an answer to it, I'm just saying it's, it's another reason why we should really be grateful for what the, the job that's being done by the management already to keep us as competitive in these yeah. competitions. I as, often think as well as we that are. Championship loans for certain players can be a bit of a hindrance. Like I look at Onoma, he's quite an attack-minded midfielder. He? he wants to go forward when he gets where he wants to take risks. From the few games I've seen him play for Spurs, that's, that's what he's done. And he went to Aston Villa, he did okay. 33 games, four goals. He's at Sheffield Wednesday now. But a player like that, as soon as you've got a tough away game in the Championship, he's probably the one that they managers look at and think, I'll sacrifice him today and I'll put in my other defence midfield and I'll pad it out so um, for players of a certain style I sometimes think championship football is not a great move you look yeah. at there's all of a sudden a lot of German clubs are taking an interest in young English players and I feel like moving out there and playing top flight football which is the kind of football that Onerman needs to be playing like a lot of games in the championship whether or not I don't know whether or not people watch them a lot but they're not great games most of the time. They're, they're experienced players kicking lumps out of each other for a majority of the game. It's very physical. There's not a lot of football being played. So I would always question how much someone like Onham is necessarily going to develop going to Sheffield Wednesday on loan. I'm not sure. Potch has obviously looked at it and thinks he's going to learn more doing that because some of the other youngsters, he says, well, no, I don't want to learn them out. I'll just have them with me yeah. and they'll train Monday to Friday with me and they'll learn more that way. So it's a difficult one. I feel like he's one that would benefit a lot more from going to a Prem side but whether or not there is a Prem side that would want to take him well, you'd, is another you'd, question. Well, you would have um, benefited from a Prem I mean, side. He's got an unbelievable agent that has somehow, <laughs> off the back of coming on against Fulham and that dreadful form against Chelsea, has nicked him a loan move to Monaco. Fair play to his agent. And uh, he's not for me in Kudu. We made a few of those weird signings of these wingers and it just hasn't worked. But anyway. But sometimes you need injury weirdly you need injuries in your squad for people to get a chance and get bedded in definitely because if you look at this this team the one that we've just been through from the Leicester game in 2016 you know, where is Harry Winks actually getting in that team if all these players are fit and then all he needs is a couple of injuries he gets a bit of a run he played in the game against West Ham probably a couple of weeks yeah. after this one and then all of a sudden he's much more in the front of the manager's thoughts mm. and in the fans' thoughts as well. And now all of a sudden he's an England international and, and he is a, a strong part yeah. of the team. Yeah. And it's, it's the same, you could even say Harry Kane on an even greater level when we talk about where we give younger players an opportunity. In a, in a previous life when Spurs were finishing fifth and sixth and playing in the Europa League, that was deem the opportunity mm. for some of these players to get yeah. a go and if it wasn't for his performances in that competition Harry Kane wouldn't mm. be the player that he is and now and Deli Alley to some extent as well because we, we signed him with no expectation and all of a sudden we had loads of midfield injuries he was thrown in 
started yeah. scoring goals and you think well actually I can't leave this guy out and, and look at him now but he's somebody who also benefited from a season long or six month loan or whatever it is uh, in the lower, lower leagues lower division yeah. club yeah. yeah well we signed him and loaned him back did we not straight away yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and yeah, look what he's gone on to achieve. So there we go. But another big week ahead for us. I mean, if we can pick up another victory in the league, I mean, the pressure be would good. be really we've, on we've, the other sides got, of the top. We've also got a nice little break. So it's not Sunday midweek, Sunday midweek. Yeah. So we've got enough time for the. You'd hope the players to be fully refreshed. You'd hope that, you know, I think Posh said he'd give them a couple of days off. Yeah. So to yesterday and today, there's days off, which is quite nice. Um, so they'll have a bit of, you know, they'll come back refreshed, re energised. Hopefully, fully motivated. Hopefully, Harry will be back soon as well, won't he? Yeah, so hopefully, he's been warm weather training, looking strong as well. Like, I mean, you know, you you're never really sure what the state is from those videos, but to be posting them, you like to think he's he's doing well. Otherwise, he wouldn't. Be I doing think he'll that. be back for Arsenal or Dortmund, maybe, maybe. Quite first week, week. maybe. Not that about first two, week, that's two, two, two weeks, next week, two weeks ago. Next, next week, yeah. And have Chelsea got Man City this? We just thinking about who's mm. going to take points off each other in the maybe we don't rush him back we'll see um, Stato need to give him a little mention yes. so had an amazing day by the sounds of it at Newcastle taking his son for the first time so he sent in some audio clips which I'm going to drop on the end of this just as a little um, so he previewed the game did one at half time um, did one after the game so it, it sounded like they had an amazing day and the late winner as well must have just topped it off so it was fantastic um, listening to that stuff that you did Stato so enjoy that everyone Gareth great to have you back on Let's not, leave, let's not leave it 18 months again. <laughs> Try not to, man. Try not to. Uh, Abbas, good to see you as always, mate. And remember, whatever happens this week, the future's bright, the future's lily white. Come on, you Spurs. So, a fortnight ago, my six-year-old son, John, asked if he could come to a Tottenham game with me. Uh, this is something I've been waiting for my whole life, not just since John was born, but since I was old enough to think about having children when I could introduce them to Tottenham and take them along. So... Uh, I was giddy with pride myself and I was probably looking forward to it just as much as John was. So throughout the course of the day, I uh, asked him some questions and recorded it for the pod. So here you are. Hello, this is Stato and I'm at Wembley and today I'm joined by... John Ruckle. John, why is today a very special day for you? My first football match, Tottenham v Newcastle. Are you excited? Yes, very. And which of the Spurs players are you really looking forward to seeing today? Son. Hugman Son. Oh, excellent. Um, what's your prediction for the game today? 2-0. Oh, I think 2-1 to Tottenham as well. Um, but I think we're going to have a fantastic day. And come on, you Spurs. Come on, you Spurs. So it's half-time and it's goalless. John, what were your thoughts of the first half? Very good. I thought that there would be at least one goal. And what? You got very excited when we hit the post. Did you think we'd scored? Yes. It was really a shame good. it wasn't, was it? Yes. But do you think Spurs are in control? Yes. Oh, we've got to be careful because Newcastle are a bit of a threat, aren't they? Yeah. So as long as everyone keeps working hard, we should win. Yeah. Come on, you Spurs. Spurs. So... Spurs have won by one goal to nil with a goal from Hyung Min Son on the 82nd minute. John, tell me about your first experience at Tottenham. Very exciting. I thought we could have done a bit better, at least two goals yeah. from Tottenham. But you think we did? Newcastle did very well to try and shut us out, didn't they? Yes, they really did. I expected them. 
I didn't really expect them to do that. Okay, and they tried to score as well, nearly did a couple of times, didn't they? Yes, they really Both teams did. hit the woodwork. Mm-hmm. And we've now, we've enjoyed it. We stayed after the final whistle for a little bit, didn't we? You ran up and down all excited. Yeah, I did. Uh, lots of people really came up and shook your hand because a, yeah. a few people heard it was your first game, didn't yeah. they? But overall, you've really enjoyed the day, have you? Yeah, I really, really have. And Let's you want to come again? Yeah, I really do. Forever and ever? <laughs> yeah? Well, that's great Not news. Fun. Anything you want to say finally? Not really. Come on, you Spurs! <laughs> hey, well done. People interested in football, and I always thought that football was a very important game, but I never realized until today just how important it is. Whether the Wonder Boys of White Hart Lane are or are not the team of the century can't possibly be more than a matter of opinion. Well, they're the finest team in Great Britain and one of the best in the world. We are about the glory of the game, we are about playing with style. We are Tottenham Hotspur. The curve of the ball, the billow of the net, the beating of the trap and the picking of the lock, the swiftness of thought, the lightness of touch. We are Ginola, Greaves, Klinsman. We are the collective gasp, the intake of breath, the flick, the trick, the 30-yard free kick. We are Hoddle, Mabbott and King. We are the lob, the chip, the dummy and the volley. We are the hat trick, the scissor kick. We are Bill Nick. That is schoolboy's own stuff. We are the outside of the boot, the inside of the net and those seconds that last forever. Van der Vaart to level it up. Raphael van der Vaart, 2-2! It's quite a game, isn't it always? We are Jennings, Defoe and Perryman. Glory past, glory future. What was, what is, what's next? We are Blanchflower, Ardelis and Bale. We are about winning with a flourish. We are about winning with style. We are about the glory of the game. Daring to try, daring to risk, daring to dream. To dare is to do.